Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello. Welcome back to a late night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast here on a Tuesday, uh, where I am now joined by Action Cookbook. His birth name, his real life name, is here. The guy who has some some cool looking dogs on Twitter.com and is a fan, a fan of a group of five team that made the college football playoff, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Action Cookbook, how are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here, man. Um, that's it. This has got to be an exciting time for you, right? Like, are you are you nervous? Where are you at right now with uh, it, as we inch closer and closer to that uh, that game against the Alabama Crimson Tide? Honestly, I'm not nervous, and I know that by all rational all rational standards, I should be because it's Bama. But uh, this season, this season has been such a blast, and I have been so nervous at times during this season. Uh, you know, I went I went to the uh, Cincinnati Indiana game, which was you know we didn't know Indiana was going to be bad this year, but it was the first the first big hurdle of the season. You know, Power Five team on the road, and I don't know if you recall the game, but we fell down uh, two touchdowns in the first quarter, and then rallied back, and then uh, obviously a basket case during the Notre Dame game, and then we had a lot of close calls. You know, throughout the season, I was at the uh, the Tulsa game. Oh, you were there. Oh yeah, yeah the uh, the eight play goal line stand <laughs> to, to preserve the win on game day. Yeah, and uh, I've just been so nervous all season because everything had to go perfectly, mm. and then it did. Everything went perfectly, and I will betray no lack of confidence about Bama. We're go- we're going to beat Bama. That is my official stance on this. Oh, you're but beating Bama. I hear people. Oh yeah, we're going to beat Bama. Okay. Um, the official stance. <laughs> uh, but but for all the people who are like, you know, well, Cincinnati's just going to get blown out. They're just going to lose to Bama. Like, so what if we do? It's Bama. Everyone loses. To, you know, Georgia got blown, blown out by Bama. It happens every year. It's fine. I, I, I don't ask me that. You know, if if that happens, and it won't happen because we're going to win, but. Mm-hmm. But so no, going into going into this game, it's like playing against Bama in the playoff is house money. I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna believe until the clock hits zero that we're gonna beat them. And uh, it's just so much fun to be there. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna? Are you going? No, I'm not going to this one. I I, I think I've pushed my family luck. I've got I've got small kids, and mm. I think I have pushed my family luck with uh, going to three games this year. But there is a very clear understanding that if and when they make Indianapolis, I am there. But uh, Dallas on New Year's was going to be too much of a uh, too much of a personal push. Man, the family not not coming through, not coming through, not being uh, big time fans, not letting you go experience uh, Alabama Cincinnati in person. Uh, I can't believe I, I imagine the dogs did not uh, agree with the the general family sentiment. And they were like, "No, go go follow your heart, go follow your dreams. You do great work spotlighting us on social media. We're all about it." And the, you know, the older dog Holly, she's just like, "Get out of the house." I don't care. <laughs> do you have a favorite between the two? No, they're very different. So okay, for anyone who's who's not familiar, I have a 
an 11 year old Corgi Holly who has been a, a linchpin of my social media presence for 11 years. Yeah. Uh, she's a, she's an old lady now. She does her things, quiet, calm. And then the week of Thanksgiving, we adopted a one year old Aussie Shepherd, German Shepherd mix, Olaf, who, who is a, just a ball of chaos. He is a, an 80-pound oaf that is just con- constantly eating something. And today I noticed we have a stack of firewood mm. against the house. And I look out and there's just logs in the yard because he had picked them up and moved them. I'm like, this is a very different dog than a small old corgi. Do they get along? Are they so, cool? Yeah. They're getting there. They're okay. getting there. I think uh, Holly was a little shocked by the introduction of a <laughs> large energetic dog to the house that she caught up. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but ultimately, when you when you think about uh, how you were looking at this team going into the year and what your expectations were, were you surprised that Cincy finally made the playoff this year? Did you think it was going to happen before the season? I thought it was a possibility, honestly. And getting the preseason number eight ranking that we got as a result of – essentially as a result of getting shut out last year but still – you know, the Bearcats did almost everything they could last year with the exception of the, the Peach Bowl loss to Georgia, but kept it close. It, it seemed like, you know, there, there are years where it would have been, doesn't matter what you can do, there's no way it's going to happen. And, you know, you can look at 2009 is always my, my great, you know, if, if Texas hadn't gotten that extra second against Nebraska and kicked the field goal, there's a very good chance that we would have played Bama in 2009. But looking at the season, I'm like, well, if everything goes right, we can make it with my stance at the beginning of the season, which still might be a, what, a 15% chance? Not a, it's not a, a 0% chance. And I think there are probably, you know, 80 teams that go into the season with that 0% chance of even if you win out and you get the 2017 UCF treatment, but looking at the fact that we had two power five road games and starting in the top 10, I was like, well, if we, if we, you know, if we run the table and a few key teams lose, it could happen. And it's still, you know, it, it barely happened. I mean, if, if, uh, if they were hadn't taken out Oklahoma state, I'm not sure how that would have shaken out the next day, you know, but, uh, so I wouldn't say I was like, yes, it's going to happen at the beginning of the season, but I, it, it was more legitimate of a possibility than it's ever been. I like it. I like it. Um, how worried were you about Luke Fickle taking the Notre Dame job? Extremely worried. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a it's been a pet peeve of mine all season that anytime a coach went on the hot seat or any time a job opened up, people would say, "Oh, maybe Luke Fickle will take that," and. Mm. There were jobs that I just didn't see him taking. You know, I, I mean, Scott Frost kept his job, but I was seeing people say, well, if Scott Frost gets fired, maybe Nebraska goes after after Fickle. And I know Nebraska has the history and, and their Big Ten team and all that, but I'm like, I don't think Luke Fickle would take the Nebraska job right now. Yeah. And anytime any of those would come up, whether it was Florida or, you know, LSU or, or any of those, I was like, Fickle's not going to do it. You look at, you know, if you look at his Wikipedia, just look at his coaching career. You know, they always list all the jobs in a row. 
and you look at most coaches, and they might have some geographic consistency, but they'll be, you know, they're in New Hampshire, they're in Texas, they're in California, they're in Florida. They, you know, they jump around. And Fickle is born in Columbus, played at Ohio State, had one year with the Saints uh, when he tried when he was in the NFL, back to Ohio State for 15 years, Cincinnati. The man has spent one year of his life outside of Ohio. And so my stance all season when people would bring this up is, no, the only jobs I see Fickle leading for are Ohio State or Notre Dame. And I kept saying that, not thinking that Notre Dame was going to open up this year. (laughs) So as soon as I saw that Brian Kelly, I feel like, well, crap. Right. And I'm thrilled for Marcus Freeman. I actually like, it, it feels weird because I've, I've always been somebody who rooted against Notre Dame. I grew up in Cleveland, you know, growing up in Cleveland in the 80s and 90s. At the time, there were as many Notre Dame fans as there, around as there were Ohio State fans, but I thought yeah. the Notre Dame kids were the more obnoxious ones. And they all were so kids never, of alums. And that's the coolest thing about Notre Dame fans is they all went there. That's one of my favorite aspects. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I've never had warm feelings towards Notre Dame, but I really like Marcus Freeman. You know, and part of the, in that couple of days of ambiguity, I know myself and a lot of other Bearcats fans are thinking like, well, if they leaves, maybe we hire Freeman away. And I, I'm thrilled for them that they hired him. I think they're going to be a fun program. I obviously have <laughs> an ax to grind with Brian Kelly mm. based on his depart- departure from Cincinnati and just his whole general, <laughs> his whole general thing. So, um, no, I was, I was for, two or three days there, whatever the interim was in between Kelly taking the LSU job and, and uh, Marcus Freeman getting the Notre Dame job. I was extremely worried. I mean, it was, it was weird. And the reaction, it's interesting. You mentioned that, man, that's like a totally different. I just, if he takes Cincinnati and Freeman goes to Cincinnati or if pickle takes Notre Dame and Freeman uh, goes to Cincinnati, that's just, Man, everything's different. But, like, do you think part of it, too, and this was something I was thinking about with just, like, timing, and timing was so weird, and the coaching carousel timing is just so bad now out of whack, and a lot of it's calendar related with recruiting and all that, but I I did think it was fascinating to wonder of, like, if Cincinnati had fallen to Tulsa at that point, and they just, Tulsa doesn't just mm-hmm. Tulsa all over themselves, and they're not in the, the, the playoff conversation. Does Notre Dame give a se- more serious look and Luke Fickle is the, the coach at Notre Dame because he's not worried about preparing for the playoff. Like how much of it, him staying in Notre Dame, not giving him a longer look, do you think was just that you can't leave when your team is literally in the playoff? Oh yeah. And I think that's a real, I think that's a real possibility. And, and you know, I, other Bearcat fan, fan friends, I had discussed that, that like, I've always had the, what if, you know, going back to Oh nine, that if, if Texas hadn't pulled it out and, you know, there's debate, but I think it would have shaken out that, that we would have been beat number two in the BCS and made, made the Rose Bowl against Bama instead of the Sugar Bowl that year. Even knowing Brian Kelly and his willingness to leave, leave things, I couldn't imagine Brian Kelly would have left Cincinnati that year yeah. with the national title on the line. And so I think that's a big factor. And I, I, I saw there was a rumor that, Sickle had told Notre Dame that you've got to give Marcus Freeman an answer first because he respects Freeman. You know, Freeman was on his staff prior to this year. But yeah, I feel like if we were just going to the Fiesta Bowl or whatever, that there would be, it would have been a very different conversation. And I, 
a very realistic chance that he would would have taken it. Whereas I wouldn't be surprised if he had told them we can talk in January or you can hire Marcus. And they figured like, well, we can hire Marcus Freeman now. So let's do it. Yeah. And they wanted to keep the recruiting class together, which was interesting. Um, And it turned out to be a top notch class. So we'll see. We'll see how he, he uh, shakes out in South Bend, but uh, we'll see. Um, What was the biggest difference with Spencer Rattler this year versus Spencer Rattler last year? You talk about uh, Desmond Ritter? Oh, Desmond Ritter. Why did I say Spencer? Oh, because I was talking about Spencer Rattler. Yeah, Desmond Ritter. Wow. Uh, not Spencer Rattler. Desmond Ritter. I, I like it. Th- there's just a there's some sort of malfunction in my brain whenever I'm talking about one of the two. I don't know if I'll ever me. I'll be picturing them and I'll just get say the wrong one. I think it was the Sooners. But like it's oh, just no. all like I always do this. Like I've done this on three pods, I think, and I didn't even recognize it. So <laughs> I apologize to Desmond Ritter, yeah, college football playoff quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a few uh, a few few Bearcats fans say like, "Well, now that Ritter's gone, you know, Ritter's graduated, can we can we go after Rattler?" And yeah, we've got we've got Evan Prater waiting in the wings. That's my nightmare. You couldn't have gotten Rattler. Ball. No, don't want that. Can't go from Riddler to Rattler when I no can't do it. No. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, Ritter. He's had he's had an amazing amazing run here. It's hard to imagine that like thinking back to the, our, our game at UCLA in 2018 to open the season where this rookie comes in during the game and leads us to a or rookie, freshman comes in and leads us to a, a victory on the road against the power five team. And hard to imagine that he's, you know, 40 some games later is still there. I, I think he's always been on the trajectory, but he just had, you know, a ton of confidence this year. And I think the great thing about this team was he didn't always have to win the games. You know, we weren't weren't ever leaning on one aspect that was a very balanced team. That some games were one were one on the ground, some games were won by Ritter, and some were strictly the defense carrying us. That uh, you know, I remember midseason, uh, Bill Connolly of ESPN had had done a his profile of the Bearcats and was identifying each playoff contender's weakness and said, you know, the Bearcats are a team without weaknesses. And then five minutes later, after a bunch of Bearcats fans yelled at him, he's like, okay, well, kicking is a weakness. <laughs> or kicking is, is the thing that concerns the most at all times. But, uh, but so no, I think going back here to your question with Ritter that like, I think just having the confidence of he, he could win us games, but it wasn't always on his head this year really, you know, kept an even keel on everything. There weren't a lot of games where even even these games that got close, it never felt like they were playing desperate. Interesting. Um, do you think this Cincinnati team, when you think about the three possible matchups that you could have had in the playoff for round one, um, do you think you're better equipped to play Bama, Michigan, or Georgia? I mean, quietly, I was hoping for Michigan, and that's mm-hmm. no slight on Michigan. They're they're a great team, but like, I was, you know, up until the SEC championship game, Georgia just looked unbeatable this year, and um, you know, Bama is Bama. I, I don't like I don't like giving Nick Saban a, a month to prepare. Yeah, but uh, I'm going to be very interested to see the the matchup. Um, you know, that like their passing game against, you know, our biggest strength is Kobe Bryant and uh, Soft Gardner. 
to like if it's going into the Tulsa game. I'm sorry, not the Tulsa game, the uh, the um, SMU game. Knowing that like that was a that was a big matchup, you know that was our our last ranked opponent prior to the AAC championship game, and I hadn't focused on it any much that season up until up until that game and looking at like oh they're a pass first team we're fine, but like if if they have to win games in the air, then we're okay because you're not winning a game in the air against against the Cincinnati secondary, but. Uh, but no, quietly I was hoping for Michigan, and that's again that's no slight on Michigan, but given the options. Interesting. I agree that I think Michigan would have been the fairest. I, I shouldn't say fairest. Like I think it would have been the most interesting because it, they feel the closest, um, and I don't think Michigan Georgia will be particularly close. And I, I'm sorry to do this to you, Action Cookbook, but I, I don't think Bama and Cincinnati is going to be particularly close. Um, and then I think we're we're heading towards a, another blowout with Georgia and Alabama, um, with Alabama doing it all over again. Um, it's just I, I I'm not really excited about the slate. I think this could actually be another. You're not going to believe this. Some more college football playoff games that aren't good. Um, that is something that I think is very possible. Like if I was doing it, I would have made Georgia have to play Bama again immediately and then done Michigan, Cincinnati with whoever wins there gets, uh, uh, the bite at the apple versus the, the unanimous creme de la creme of the sec. But I think there is some other motivations there, which is to find a way to get Georgia and Alabama, um, back in the national title game or Michigan and Alabama in the national title game. I don't know that that's just where my head was at with that. Sure. No, and, and I mean, listen, I, I, I can see the math. And like I said, my my official stance is, of course, we're going to win. But again, the the risk, you know, the worst thing that can happen in the playoffs is a lopsided loss to Bama. And most playoff games in the seven years of the playoffs so far have been, or most semifinal games have been lopsided. You know, I know like Ohio State fans a lot of, there are some Ohio State fans who are very supportive of the fact that we made the playoff. There are some who are like, Cincinnati shouldn't be there, you know. Like, well, you got shut out by Clemson a couple of years ago, it happens, yeah. you know. And so it's like you losing to Alabama or getting blown out by yeah. Bama or whatever, like that means you didn't belong. It's just like, okay, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Yeah, there are there are always lopsided semifinal yep. games in the playoff that, you know, it happens more often than they're actually being good games. Mm. So it goes back to being able to say, I'm not, I'm not that stressed about it. I'm going to hold the line of, of irrational confidence until proven otherwise, but as uh, you should, as you should, that's yeah. the cool thing about being a fan. And I don't want to be a Debbie downer on it. Cause I like, it could be interesting. We'll see. We, we will see. And that's the cool thing. They have to play it on the field and that's what we all wanted, right? We wanted to see Cincinnati on the field in a college football playoff game and see how it all looks, how it works. We, we've never seen it before, and that's the whole thing. Let's just see it play out. Exactly. Getting the chance, you know, we have been playing college football for 135 years. At Cincinnati, we've been playing for 135 years and have never been in a position to have it settled on the field. And settling it on the field is all I want, instead of being told, like, oh, you didn't play anybody, or oh, you're in a bad conference, you're just, you know. Our season's going to end on the field. That's great. Yep. I agree. Um, last thing, we'll wrap up here, man. Uh, 
A lot of talk, though, that this was kind of it, that a lot of guys are moving on, obviously, with Desmond Ritter and friends. But do you think that there is a big drop off coming next year with this group? Uh, what what are your like when you look at this? Is this kind of a last ride of like real contention for the playoff for a little bit? Or do you think that's a little bit overblown? What do you think next year looks like for Cincinnati? I, would, I mean, we're losing a lot this year. I wouldn't yep. be surprised with a little bit of a dip next year. I think they'll still be quite good next year, especially assuming that, you know, assuming that Luke Fickle stays. And at this point, that's assuming Ryan Day doesn't go to the NFL and the Ohio State job doesn't open up. But, uh, you know, I feel good about, hey, we're going to lose six, eight, ten guys to the draft. I feel good about Evan Prater, you know, coming in a quarterback. I think, I think he's going to be he's going to be ready to step in and what I am excited, you know, two or three years ahead because the recruiting classes, I don't honestly, I don't follow recruiting closely, but just seeing the enthusiasm around the program, seeing the number of three and four star players who are excited to commit to Cincinnati. I think we're going to step right into the big 12 and do great. I like it. I like it. Um, anything you would like to plug as we wrap up here? Uh, sure. So, um, you know, I I am the writer and creator of the Action Cookbook newsletter. Uh, it's a weekly or thrice weekly email newsletter. I write about sports, but I also write about food and cocktails, and yeah, I write about whatever I feel like, but it's good. People like it. It's uh, actioncookbook.substack.com. Check it out. I just had a very popular post where I uh, told the true story behind Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer that uh, people seem to love there you go there you go uh action thank you so much go subscribe to his newsletter if you have not already done so thank you so much for the time man this was great i greatly appreciate it yeah have fun thanks for having me on nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah